Bienvenido and thank you for listening to the Word con Sazón podcast, a sermon collective of reforming Latinos. The following sermon was given at Christ Redeemer Church in Moreno Valley, California by Pastor Martin Medina. For more information about the church or the pastor, please go to our show notes below. Chapter 7, concluding the entire chapter from verse 31. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. The word of the living God says this. Then he, that is Christ, returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Let's pray. Lord, as we begin to open up your word, Lord, help us by faith to realize where Christ is preached rightly where his word is expounded correctly. Lord, it's as if we're hearing Christ and seeing Christ himself. Lord, help us this hour to understand, to, per, to gain a, a perception of the person of Christ for our hearts and for our souls. Lord, as we've confessed time and time again, Lord, we need your spirit to do the work through the preaching and the receiving of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I'm sure many of you have seen those videos that go viral on Facebook about the, the, the baby who first hears his mother's voice after the womb. The child who has given a, a state-of-the-art hearing aid and for the first time he can hear sounds. Videos that are compelling, that move and stir our hearts. Even children who hear their mother singing to them sweet lullabies or for Christians sweet hymns of old. And they begin to cry and weep. And that's moving. To be able to hear the one you love for the first time. To be able to, for the first time, hear the voice of the one you've been staring at their moves lips. To hear the voice of the one who's been carrying you for nine months and now has given you birth. There's something powerful about hearing the voice of another. And just as we saw last week, the powerful scenes of the Syrophoenician woman and her great faith. And the, the ability of prayer of that man, Jesus Christ, when we pray to him. Last week we were captivated. Well, this week, I think there's just as much in this week as there was last week. And guess what? There'll be just as much next, next week as well. That's the word of the Lord. Every week there's food for the soul. So we move on with this week, with Christ moving along from that area. And it's interesting in verse 31 because it's as if, 
if I could put it in our terms, we were heading to Phoenix, right? That's directly east from us. But we went to L.A. first and then came back down. That's essentially what took place in this element in verse 31 where Christ goes to Decapolis, but he goes the long route and actually has commentators puzzled. They think, oh, did Mark make a mistake or whatever? Anyways, it's beside the point. But we, we know Decapolis as that place where that demoniac, remember that, that demon-possessed man that was hitting himself with chains and chains? Christ sent him away to the Decapolis to preach Christ. And now, what do we see? The fruit of that preaching. People again coming to him. People again seeing, that's that man that healed the demoniac. So what happens? Verse 32, and they brought to him. Who's they? We don't know. Who's the man? We also don't know. But they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on them. Consider this man's great need. Deaf and a speech impediment. In our day, we can probably still carry along in some capacity. In our day, there's groups that are formed. In our day, there's whole societies that are formed. There's schools that are set up for the deaf. Right? But in this day, there's nothing of that sort. This man was likely dependent on every single person around him. What must it have been like to not be able to hear nor, nor talk? What it would have been like to, at some point, he, he had the gift of hearing because he knows how to talk, but he's losing that now. So at some point he had it. What would it have been like to have known the goodness of something and then slowly lose it, now becoming deaf and almost unintelligible? To not be able to hear, again, even our sweet children crying. To not be able to hear our loved ones laughing. To not be able to hear our family saying, we love you, we care about you. To not hear a sermon, the actual words of a sermon. To not hear Christ, to not hear Christ preach. We could read it in sign language in today's culture, but imagine what would it must have been like to not have that sense, to not enjoy that. Listen, Christian, what would it have been like to not be able to sing songs of praises to the man who redeemed you? That's what this man is enduring. This man has a great need and his friends bring him to the one who's able to heal him. Amidst a great crowd, they bay him. Jesus, you heal the demoniac. Maybe they said that. We saw what you did with him. Can't you just do this for our friend? They beg him to lay his hands on them. And what does Jesus do? Verse 33. Jesus, taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Jesus pulls them aside. Jesus had to have gotten close enough to this man to signal to him, come to the side with me. Right? If I wanted someone to step outside, I could say from here, and you would know. But not with this man. He's deaf. Christ has to get up in personal with him and pull him aside. Christ, knowing this man's probably, dis he's probably uncomfortable in public. He's probably not that comfortable being around a lot of people because he knows when he talks, he sounds a little funny. He knows that when he attempts to say something, it sounds like muffled noise. This man's probably uncomfortable being in the crowd and Christ likely putting his arm around him, nodding his head. Let's go this way. I'm going to pull you aside. And he does something that can seem odd to us on the surface, does he not? He shoves his finger in this man's ear and he spits and touches this man's tongue fascinating interesting stuff verse 34 
And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. Christian church, can you see it? Can you see this picture? This man likely nervous, confused, wondering what's going on. Why is this man's finger in my ear? Why is he spitting and then touching my tongue? See, we read these stories and we think, cool, gravy, nice. No, what? put yourself there, a man's finger in your ear, spitting and touching your tongue. If I did that to any of you, I would probably get punched by some of you, right? Because that is so interesting. Be opened, he says. He looks up with a deep sigh and says, be open. What a scene. Listen, we're reading about the best person to ever have been written about. We're not reading about Harry Potter here. We're not reading about the Lord of the Rings. We're reading about a man named Christ Jesus, and we get to see a scope of this. Mark is the only one who records this for us. So Christian, I plead with you this morning, realize who it is that we're reading about. Christ, the Messiah. And verse 36, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the most, sorry, verse 35, and his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Just like that, easy, healed, speaking, likely would have heard the words be opened at the end of them. Shocked, I'm sure, but he's healed. Verse 36, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. The more he charged them, the more they preached, proclaimed, herald. You see, Christ is telling them, be silent, because tensions are rising. Herod is looking for me. I have one year left with you. This is exactly about, or uh, pr- approximately about one year away from the cross. So now he's going to start, if, he, if we notice, he'll still do miracles and signs, but you, you'll notice he's going to start going into discipling mode, teaching things to his disciples. He has one year left, so he charges them to be silent. Now make no mistake, though they're doing a good thing, though they're preaching Christ and what he's done, this is a sin. Because he proclaimed them, do not tell He told them, commanded them, do not tell anyone of it. He charged them, and they are disobedient, they're unwise, they're ignoring the commandments of the Lord. Quick note, there is an unhealthy way to share Christ. There is an unhealthy, and I would even say ungodly way to to show about Christ. For instance, the family's gathered at at the kitchen table on Thanksgiving. And you know if you bring up Christ, it's going to ruin the entire Thanksgiving dinner for everyone. That might not be the best place to share Christ. There's a winsome way to go about sharing Christ. There's a godly way to be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent. We know that person that in every situation has to bring up some type of Jesus juke on somebody. That every time has to bring up some type of theological framework on how you perceive reality to be wrong. No one enjoys that person. That's the person that gets stopped inviting to, to family events and friends. So Christians, know that there's a wise way to share Christ. It's gentle, it's loving, it's kind. There's seasons, right? There's moments where we proclaim Christ in the public square and we let people know what Christ has done and who we are outside of Him. But there's times where we have to be smart and wise and know, you know what, this situation, I'll have another time with them. I don't got to bring it up now. I'll, I'll pull them aside privately and address it then. Be wise about how we do it. I don't know every situation that we go through, but all I'm saying is don't be a jerk and ignore the commandments of Christ and not being gentle when we proclaim him. 37. 
And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The crowd is amazed. As it were, they're mind blown. They're shaken to the core. They're astonished. This man does all things well. He heals the demoniac. He hears the deaf. He gives the mute a voice. That our hearts would share that this morning. That our hearts would be captivated. That we would be astonished this morning at the work of Christ. Now, sadly, most sermons would end there because it's a very easy story. Or they would probably jump on to chapter 8 and see what's next. But there's so much in the application of this text. It's short, it's sweet, but listen, if we look at what's going on, the application of Christ, His person, is powerful. It's effectual, meaning that it actually has a power to change you, to move you, to compel you to godliness, and it's captivating if we dig in. Let's dig in. You see that line there in verse 37, the last sentence, He makes the deaf, the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is actually an allusion to Isaiah 30, 35, where Isaiah speaks of the Messiah to come who will give ears to hear and a voice to speak. All of the miracles, listen, all of the miracles, because Christianity today sees Christ as the, the healer and the miracle worker, and they say, we have that ability. No, because all of the miracles and the healing ability of Christ are all for one thing, to reveal the glorious identity of who Jesus Christ was. That's why they're called sign gifts. Because they're a sign of who He is. It's as if a sign is saying, Messiah, this way. Messiah, there He is. Messiah, He's doing it again. And that's what we have here. So in my application, I just have three simple points. Who is this Christ? What is He like? And what does that mean for us in light of the text? I've already gone into number one a little bit. He's the Messiah. And may we never forget this, dear church. He is the sweet and joyful Messiah, Jesus Christ, the King, the one who came to deliver people from bondage, people from even spiritual deafness. So in this first application, who is Jesus? Who is he? What's he like? Listen, Jesus, we must reckon with him. Reckon with him means we must deal with him for who he is. If we deal with him in a false way, then we're not having real spiritual dealings with Christ. We're having spiritual dealings with an idolatry version of Christ, who we made Christ out to be. So Christ, we must reckon. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another positive influence in society. No, Christ, the biblical Christ, he is the king of glory. The one who came as a suffering servant but is returning again as a Messiah King to judge the living and the dead. So this morning, if you reject Christ, know it is the one, know he's the one who created you. The one who has given you breath and is sustaining you even this second and you reject him. Believer, realize that this King of glory, this miracle worker here is our miracle worker. He's our King and he's our Savior. And this point, who Christ is, I wish I could just truly drive this home for us. I wish that somehow I could just get this truth of who Christ is and plant it deep within your heart this morning. But thankfully, I can't do that. Only the Spirit can do that work. But that's what I'm pleading for this morning, is that the Spirit would get Christ, 
who He is, His whole person, and show you and captivate you, and that that would get planted deep down within your hearts. Because this word, this living word, is not stoic. This living word solicits real emotions and real contemplating. It's not a mere theory that Christ did these things. Someone is not suggesting that Christ did these things. Like I said before, we're not reading about some novel or the Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia. No, we have in our hands. You're hearing this morning about the Lord of glory. The living word is designed to captivate us and to get our whole person and move us. That's what the point of the Gospels are. Christ could have come and did his work and the epistles could have told of it. But the Gospels open up who Christ was. What he did, the life and ministry of Jesus on earth is given to us to have an ability to see the Lord of glory in action, dear church. His heart, his love, his tenderness. Everyone makes those videos, right? A day in the deal with your heart, he looks up showing the man, I'm no pagan healer. I'm not doing this with some weird magic and oils. No, what I'm doing is I'm looking up because I know that my help comes from the Father And this man must have thought, heaven itself is helping me this morning. Christian, what I'm saying to you is heaven itself is helping you this morning. God himself, the creator, he's looking, in a sense, I'm pointing you upward to see where your help comes from. It's from him. What did he think? Why is he looking up? It's so that he would have known, this man is calling upon God to come and help me. To think that the Son of God, the triune God, they're all helping me this morning. Christian, that's what I want to encourage you. The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are literally sustaining you and helping you endure the Christian life. But more than just looking up, more than just looking up, Christ groans within him. He groans. Imagine being deaf, being close enough to Christ to touch And to have his finger in your ear, he looks up and the vibrations of his deep groan, what that would have done to a deaf, deaf hearing man, the rumbles of of, of the groan. What's going on here? It's the deep inner cry of Jesus, his weary soul, the man who's now acquainted with grief, the man who is now called the man of sorrows. Do you see it? The second person of the Trinity who was in eternity past joyful never experiencing frail humanity, completely satisfied in his Father and the Spirit and the communion that they had together, that second person of the Trinity comes into space and time to take a man aside, to look up to heaven and to groan and weep with him as it were, to see what has sin done to my people as it were, what has sin caused, a deep, heavy groan, a look up to heaven, The body language here of Christ. In effect, he's saying, I'm so tired of the effects of sin on my Imago Dei, on those who were created in my image. Groaning for this man who had a terrible experience as a result of sin. And Jesus hates sin. One, because it's an offense to a holy God. Amen. Amen. But he also hates sin for what it has done to his people and what it continues to do to his people. If you don't understand the, the burden that sin is, I truly question if you're saved. Because those of us who have the spirit of the living God in us, we know, deliver me from this flesh, Lord. 
Deliver me from who I am or who I once was. I hate the fact that the things that I don't want to do, I do those things. And the things that I want to do, I don't do those things. Can we not feel what Paul felt in Romans 7? That's what Christ is showing here. A deep groan. I am sick and tired of sin affecting my people. Church, that's the beauty of Christ. That he who takes on frail humanity comes into time and space so that he could be a compassionate high priest. Not just a God who is far off and transcendent. No, a God who steps into time and space to carry sinners aside and deeply groan with them. That is our Savior. That's our Messiah. That is our high priest. And dear Christian, he knows you. He knows whatever you're enduring. He knows the deep groans that you need for your soul. He knows the encouragement that you need this morning. But see, as a mother or father seeing their child be affected by sickness on a deathbed, there's great pity there. There's great real emotion there, no doubt. But as a parent, I could do nothing for my child who's dying of cancer. As a parent, I could do nothing for my child who's laying there. To have just pity is not enough. So if we end here on the compassionate, sensitive Christ, he's no different than a caring mother for a wounded child. But no, the beauty is that this man is not just a man who's filled with pity. No, he's the omnipotent God, the Son of God himself. Praise God that Jesus does not merely have compassion and kindness. Praise God that Jesus also has omnipotent power and an almighty ability to completely transform us church to cause us to walk in his ways and in his statutes jesus spoke one word jesus didn't say i have seven months of rehab for you to get better no one word be open sorry it's two words be opened and what happened healed speaking plainly this is the same voice dear church who in genesis 1 said let there be light what was there light this is the same voice that told the waters go here and go no further the same voice that told the planets where to go and the stars where to go. The same voice that's sustaining the world this very second. That same voice said, be open, and his mouth was open. Christian, what I'm saying is Christ is both pitiful and powerful. He's both able to save and caring enough to save. He's compassionate and he's truly the sovereign creator. That's that voice. That's that Christ. The same Voice that, as I said, spoke creation into existence is the same voice against this man's tongue and ears. That stood no chance. So you see, you see when we opened up the text, we look at Christ for who he is. You see what's there for us. It's more than just fingers in the ear and, and a tongue touched. No, it's a compassionate high priest who gave himself up as an ultimate sacrifice. So this morning... I would pray and plead with you and with the Spirit to do that work in you, that our hearts would be opened up just as this man's ears and tongue were opened up this morning, where we have sin, where we choose ourselves, where we have bitterness, fear, where we have lack of love and care, where we have lack of dealings with our own heart against a living God, where we have ignorance, whatever it is, I would plead that the Lord would open up our hearts this morning and that he would truly and radically transform us and change us even as he did this man. 
that Christ would open up our eyes to see Him, that He would open up our ears to hear His Word and to receive it, and that you and I would go and be alone with Him, that we would allow Him, as it were, to pull us aside and to have a real wrestling with Him in the quiet time of our hearts. Listen, we are dependent and needy and powerless just as this man was. We were once spiritually deaf. And at times we revert back to that. At times we go back to who we were. At times we go back to love, as Robert said, the vomit of old, neglecting the goodness and tasting of the Lord. So what we need is to trust this compassionate, sovereign Lord. It's as I said, if Christ only had power and no pity, he wouldn't care for us. If you only had pity and power and no power, he could do nothing for us. But Christian, this resurrected Messiah in our life, this one, I'm pleading with you, come to him. Come to him this morning. Whether it's for the first time or for the hundredth time, come to him this morning and receive spiritual nourishment. Because just as this man's ears were reclaimed by Christ, so too our ears and our mouth should be reclaimed by Christ. As I said in the introduction, do you remember those videos of a child first hearing their mother for the first time or getting the hearing aid and being moved to, to tears because they get to hear sounds now? Christian, I would encourage you, do you remember the first time you, as it were, heard the voice of the Lord in His Word? The first time that you felt forgiven for your sins? The first time that you felt delivered from your transgressions? Do you remember the joy that just welled up in your heart? The happiness that you had? My sins are gone. Is it true? Can it be? Christian, remember that love. Remember the first time you heard that and you took that as your own. And remember the joy that is in it. Because like this man, by faith, by faith this man trusted Christ. He allowed Christ to take him aside. He submitted to Christ. And friends, this morning, I would ask you to do the same thing. Submit to Christ. Allow him to pull you aside and be alone with him. This man's friends, other than bringing them, their faith can do nothing. He needed to have his own dealings with Jesus and submit to him. He needed to have his own alone time with Christ and deal with him. The faith of another could do nothing for him. Only Christ and Christ alone. The dynamic duel that Christ has, power and pity, mercy and omnipotence. This is who I'm pleading with you, Christian, to come to this morning and to receive from this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you sent your forth your Son, one who was compassionate in all his ways, one who had a right view of all things, Lord, and one who came for the lost, not for the righteous. The ones who came for those who were spiritually stricken and who had spiritual deafness, Lord. We thank you for Christ. May we truly cherish Christ, the pitiful one, the one who has pity on sinners and the one who has power to change them. And may we run to him seeking refuge, but seeking repentance, seeking growth, seeking to be hidden Christ, as it were, Help us this morning to see the true identity of Christ and to cling to that man and not let him go. In Christ's name, amen.